Welcome to Small Town Shenanigans, episode 25. We have a mystery guest on today. Goes by the name of Tommy Hammersham. Brian and I grew up with him. Um, he's Brian's age. And, um, well, what I remember of, of Mr. Hammersham in high school was he had a pretty pretty slick tongue, pretty witty, and a little bit of, little bit of that smart mouth. A little bit of witty, a little bit of gritty, a little bit of sweaty. And, uh, t- you know, we have the, uh, the you know... It, Everyone's safe when you come into into the wheelhouse here when you ground from the sound sounds from the ground. And so Tommy, um, he is he's a cup ain't guy, so that's good to know. Um, he's re- he's remaining somewhat anonymous. I mean, if if you want to Google Tommy Hammershan, you're not going to find a picture of this gentleman. But people from the High Line, people from Penguinville, uh, I think once they start peeling back the onion here, they may they may start sniffing it, they may whiff it a little bit. Well, he's got a pretty he's got a pretty <laughs> unique. A voice to whip to whip out, but he now he's a he's what they call a um he's what they call a professional, and what he does is he flies these little birds around these planes. We'll get to the bird story later. Flies these little airplanes around, picks up these gals everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have had a little bit there towards the end, but I wish boys, I really do. <laughs> it's a little more interesting you know you can uh-huh. scoop them down uh get one of them big old hooks out of the bottom of it and just scoop them by their ears and drag them out until you get out of town a little bit and <laughs> smile them right on up <laughs> i wish it was up. that glamorous but it's not boys <laughs> well tommy oh, hammersham welcome into the dog pound here um, hey thank you boys i'm glad to be here and uh, i guess my claim to fame is i got five minors in possession when i was when I, when I was a youth there, that's uh, for you guys that aren't familiar with that. That's where you get busted uh, drinking beers there underage. Uh, and back in the day, they didn't give you a DUI. They just went ahead and gave you a minor. So, yeah. And, you you know, the MIP was, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know me. I'm down with MIP. And I think a lot. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of the folks from the small towns and, and there was a there's a gentleman that lives here in Missoula. And um, he 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 used to run the paper up there in, in Cup Bank. And my son Charles is, is working. He got a new job working as a. Um, oh, he's working at the country club there, and he ran into this gentleman I know very well. Um, and Charlie was talking to him a little bit, and he said that he listens to these episodes. And one thing that he said to him was, "People from big towns just don't get the kind of stuff that we did around there." And so one of the things we did do, badge of honor, you know me. You know Tommy Hammershan, you down with MIP? And so <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit. Let's 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 take a let's take a peek under the MIP. Uh, I know that I got a, I got one of those. Um I got it's kind of like you know the Boy Scouts get their badges and they have a story behind it and then and then they had some tasks to do. So I've got several well, I got some MIP badges that I still wear around town. So Tommy, what, do you, you got you dabble a little bit? Well, we did dabble a little bit, five times, actually. In fact, I was in the uh, Western Breeze, our little paper there in the sheriff's log, where they recorded all the action at the sheriff's office seven times, actually. And I was voted in my senior class. I was voted biggest party animal, biggest troublemaker, and wittiest, although I will admit that I was on the uh, yearbook committee that actually voted for all that. Actually, Biff and I were. So Biff and I won a whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so if you won anything in eight in 1989, uh, you may or may not have. It just depended on how he liked you when the voting came up. But uh, 
You know, that's a great, that's a great little uh, tidbit there. Reminded me, so I finished high school down there in Florence, down the Bitterroot. And uh, everyone knows when they had picture day. Okay, that's when you get your pictures taken, and they also take pictures of all the organizations and everything. So me and my buddy Sean Troy decided we're just going to do a couple laps here, and we're going to get involved. And there was a we we jumped in and we joined every organization that day for 24 hours. <laughs> do, you remember, they, do you remember which ones they were? I remember all oh, this band and choir, but the one that I really thought was National was, Honor Society. I could have been, but the one that I was really proud of was they had this group called Peers and Options. Okay. What peers and options did was they allowed they they allowed kids to voice her. You know, if you didn't want to go out and raise hell and you didn't want to do trouble and this and that, uh, you join peers and options and you're gonna you're gonna make good decisions. And so we went in there and they're like, uh uh-uh, uh, no. I said, what? They go, we oh we can't join. I said, you can't say we didn't take we didn't turn our leaf. We want to be in peers. They go, are you serious about this? I said, well, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. And uh, so we went in, we shuffled in back behind there and they snapped the picture and we said, ah, you know what? The more I think about it, uh, I don't really want to be a part of peers and options, but the picture had been taken. So if you look at that annual, uh, may not have won a lot of awards, but I'm in a lot of organizations along the way. <laughs> you know what? That, that reminds me, Brian, do you remember when we went to a Notre Dame football game and we, <laughs> we, wanted, we went and applied for that job? Uh, for, I don't. I don't for remember the, that. For the usher job. Remember that they had those coveted oh, hats? Yes. All we wanted was the hat. We were going to join the organization and dedicate 40 hours a week to this organization, but we needed the gear first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do a good job without a good pair of gear, without the gear. We were going to be in the rear with the gear. <laughs> so, Tommy, well, so, you, so you, guys, you, guys, uh, you, guys, you guys nominated yourself, which I think is noble. Oh, yeah, and I was making great decisions back then. You know, I figured out I like drinking beer and chasing girls, and it turns out at 51, I still do, so I was making great decisions back then. Well, you're laying down a foundation for the rest of your I life. I really was. You know? <laughs> just, I pick, I'm picking up chicks in that airplane now. It's a little bit different. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I tried to hold on to beers on that. I wait till I get out of the airplane usually, but, you know. <laughs> well, um. So five MIPs, that's that's pretty that's pretty good. Was it all on the same machine? Book had a machine or you tow it around town? Oh, I, I had several different machines. I had a beautiful 1974 Ford two-wheel drive pickup, uh, two-tone crap brown. Uh, that one got me a few of them. Then I had a Jeep there, a CJ7 Jeep, because I really uh-huh. liked being cold in the wintertime. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, I mixed it up in the vehicles there a little bit, boys. You know, the the Jeep, man, I, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie Kill Bill, but they had a car there that reminds me of maybe something that you had. Um, it was a wagon of some sort and it had a name. But anyway, uh, it, that, I can see that CJ5 maybe maybe adopting that name. So tell us a little bit about um, how how you got on the wrong end of that stick. Well, the first one... You know, I, was, I think I was a sophomore and went ahead and just got hammered. And, and back in the day, we used to we used to drag mains. So, you you know, we had one stoplight in town. So you'd go up and down the street and that's how you kind of communicated. You'd load up the car with your buddies or girlfriends or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, you'd honk at each other. And then if you wanted to talk to your buddies, you went ahead and flashed your brights. And then you'd mm-hmm. go one block down and stop and BS. Well, I was down there BSing with a buddy of mine and. Uh, what end of the what end of the strip were you on? Let's let's get our bearings straight here. Are you on the tasty free side or are you down there on the IGA side? 
Well, I was uh, I was right in the middle, boys. And, and the only way you went is you always went south. You never went north uh, off of Main Street there. That was the meeting point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a classmate and I are BSing, and here comes Burl Hoover behind me. And, and Burl's going to come up in another story, <laughs> or my next story. <laughs> but uh, So he, he, he went ahead and uh, hit the lights, sir, and I pull over, and, you know, he comes up to the door and asked me to go ahead and step out, and I did. And the Kerr's light went ahead and rolled right onto his foot, and uh, <laughs> he got his foot all wet. Well, I got a little bit mouthy. In fact, I got a whole hell of a lot mouthy. Uh, and uh, they went ahead and took me to jail, and and I <laughs> expressed my verbal feelings a little more down there. And and uh, so anyway, after it was all said and done, and I was sitting in your dad's office with my mm-hmm. dad, the judge, mm-hmm. and, we, and we reviewed that fine tape. Your old man went ahead and threw the book at me. He took what? my license away for six <laughs> months, which I mean, that's a death knell. That's hey, I have a question over here, like so. Let's 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 back up a second here. Yeah. So yeah. when so when the 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 can hits Burl's foot, mm-hmm. let's let's okay take it from take it from the top. So does Burl? Does he know what it is? Does it, yeah, <laughs> I, I think he was fairly familiar with the substance. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that was his first day on the job. I think he'd been busted use probably two or three a day for pretty much his whole career. What was he you pulling know? you over for? Was it was it uh, was it a legal search and seizure search and seizure here? Oh, I think it was totally illegal. There was probably zero evidence at all that I'd been drinking beer or carrying on. You know, back in those days, you pretty much could have pulled anyone driving up and down Maine over that you probably would have had a bust. But now, now, a minor in possession, that's, you know, obviously minor. So what's nice mm-hmm. about that is, um, you know, growing up in a, in a Catholic family, uh, we always had confession. You know, you just wipe them babies off and you get a clean slate. So the minor in possession was kind of the same thing. Once you got old enough, you just got a clean slate and you're and you're scot free, right? Yeah, they, it doesn't follow you uh, through life, thank goodness. And uh, so, anyways, I lost my license for six months there. And but my old man made it. He he was kind of buddies with your old man, so he made a little amendment that I could still drive a grain truck. So in the mornings before I <laughs> before I went to school, I went ahead and dumped a load of grain at the elevator, and then I you know drove the grain truck home at night. But so I kind of had a, a loose uh, work permit during that. Well, time. no, hold on a second. So you got permission to drive the grain truck? Did right. they specify days and hours? I mean, could you take that baby up and down Main Street though? I mean, if you got the green light with the grain truck, I mean, it's harder to hide, but at least you can drive. You could drive, boys, but it is not cool going up and down Maine with the great truck. There, there's just no way a guy's getting any chicks in there. So that was well, that was not going to happen. That would have been the walk of shame, man. There was a gentleman I knew that drove, drove a grain truck one time, and I saw he was heading out there to the airport and that hill climbing up, mm-hmm. and me and old Robbie were coming up behind him. And mm-hmm. we didn't know who it was at first. And then uh, we kept getting closer. We were going to pass it, you know. And all of a sudden, he started speeding up, speeding up. And pretty soon, I'm like, hey, he's He's pushing that grain truck to the limit here. All of a sudden, you see the black smoke kind of barreling out of the back end of that thing. And Robin said, we're going to get this guy around us. So we go around the side of him. His old track Freeman in there had pushing that gas pedal all the way down. He got to the top of that hill and blew the engine. All we saw was smoke just coming out of that thing. He didn't want anyone passing him in that grain truck. And I tell you, I've never seen so much. There was a video game out there. I can't remember what it was called. But you could drive a car, and then you could hit a button and and, and put an oil slick, or you could oh, smoke yeah, screen someone. Well, I think Track put the spoil. He had the smoke screen down pretty heavy on us. 
have you, have you guys gotten track on? Oh my God, that'd be funny. He's got some good stories, I'm sure. Oh shit. <laughs> we told we told one about him, but we didn't say what it, who it was um, a few episodes ago. You know that when you talk about the course light spilling on on Burl Hoover's foot, that reminds me. Brian and I went, and like it was right out of call, right out of high, right right after after college or something. But I think Brian was in the Navy down there, and um. <clears throat> We went to a, um, we went to what? Jack. You're, you're a, you were a seaman? Yeah. <laughs> I was. I yeah. was a seaman. I was a, yeah. I was okay. a seaman. I wasn't well, a submarine, though. Well, thank you for your service, though. sir. You're welcome. Yeah, he, I think Brian <laughs> said he's got a purple heart, but we'll have to, we'll have to see that to believe it. Anyway, so I, so we <laughs> went out to, um, so we went to Jack Murphy Stadium to see a Padres game. We were pretty greased up, and we get there, and we already put down about probably 80, 90 ounces. And so when we got there, I had to, I had to go TT. So I asked Brian to, I said, keep an eye out for, for police officers. I got to go pee really quick. So stand by my, our vehicle peeing. And Brian goes, I mean, like 30 seconds after I asked him to keep an eye out. And he goes, uh-oh. I'm like, uh-oh, what do you mean, uh-oh? I turn around, there's, there's the police officer, two of them in the car looking at me, hanging about eight. And uh, I get done with my business. <laughs> yeah. And I, I said, um, he gets out of his car and I, I go, come on, cut us a break. This is the first time in the stadium. You know, we got a long walk ahead of us. There's no place to go pee around here. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to cut you some slack. If that urine, if that trail of urine doesn't, does not hit my tire, I will not give you a ticket. And it was going, it was, it was a field goal. It was going right down between them. I'm like, amen. Hallelujah. Let's go, Brian. He goes, hold on a second, gets in his car, backs up, so that tire rolls right on top of that train of urine, and I got myself, in a, I think it was about a $200 ticket in 1993. I've never been back. Never paid it either. <laughs> never I paid it. correctly. Never paid <laughs> Officer. it. I didn't see him coming. I don't know what happened. I, I saw something coming, and then he just got, he was on top of us before we even knew, before we knew it happened. Or maybe I saw him, and maybe I thought I'd keep it interesting. I can't remember the specifics on it, but I remember um, the, the uh, things that fall out of your car, things that make you go home. <laughs> Mr. Hammerstein, what happened? You were telling us about what happened when you took that vehicle to, I think you were in Kalispell, and you ran oh. into that gal. Well, yeah, what, uh, I don't know how the heck I pulled this off, but somehow I got my mom to switch me from that 74 Ford pickup into the Jeep, which was way cooler. And uh, I don't know why, but I had to go to Kalispell. And now keep in mind, I don't have a driver's license. We don't have insurance on the Jeep. It was just. Uh, was, just this six month, was this during your six months? Was this during your six month resting time, resting period? Yeah, and I sure wasn't in the grain truck either. And uh, so we're, I'm, I'm going through Browning there, Browning, and uh, I'm stopped. There's some road construction and I'm looking in my rear view mirror and here comes one of those 85 Camaros, you know, the kit Knight Rider kind coming up off me fast. And I'm watching this dude and he just plows into the back end of me. That Jeep's got a big, it had a big tire on the back and he just plowed into that. He just, he pushed the front end of that Camaro up into his his uh front wheels there and went ahead and hit his his head on the windshield was he local was he a local gentleman he was a local gentleman it turned out and of course (laughs) you know that's not a good place for a white boy to be and especially one without (laughs) driver's license and insurance so i'm just sitting there you know i'm just like oh my goodness i'm beside myself i think i am in the deepest i mean i don't think going to brown and jail is the place for a white boy that would that would have gotten real ugly for me 
<laughs> now he was he was stone sober, wasn't he? Oh, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. And um, he ran up to my car, and and uh, we I get out and we're kind of looking at my Jeep, and it just kind of knocked a little dust off my Jeep, and it it totally totally uh, totaled the the Camaro there, and he uh, he was going to have to get a record to pull that dude out of there. And he says to me, he goes, you know, I'm the sheriff here in Browning. He's like, you know, if you want, you could just go ahead and take off. And, you know, I didn't really check his credentials or anything. I went ahead and just got the hell out of there <laughs> and started moseying uh, over to Kalispell. Well, I get over to Kalispell, and, and at the time, it was a four-lane road there going through the main street of Kalispell. And this this lady shot across the lanes there. I didn't even see her. This one was, wasn't my fault either. Of course, none of them were. And I go ahead and hit the back quarter of that car and I spin it into a, a 7-Eleven parking lot, knocks a bumper off, knocks her gas cap off. I'm like, oh my God, you know, twice in the same day, you know, no insurance. Was she the no, sheriff of Kalispell or no? This yeah, she was the sheriff of Kalispell, it turns out. <laughs> no, but she also was an individual that was in the same boat I was with insurance and a driver's license. And she said, hey, do you mind if we just uh, keep going and you know, the Jeep had a big roll bar on the front end of it. So, you know, knocked a little more dust off the front of the Jeep and we we're good to go. Would you just uh, go over there and pick up that gas cap and scoot, give her a couple, couple clicks and on your way you went or what? Uh, the way we went. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of ruckus there with the Jeep. And uh, well, that was that was getting <laughs> off the skin of your teeth. You know, the fact <laughs> you got plowed into a Browning um, by oh, the sheriff in, a, in, in, in Knight Rider and Kit. Yeah. And I was when I was in college, this is crazy. I'm in college and I'm working in the VA office and there's not, you know, once, once you get everyone situated for school, it basically it's a work study job. You're just going there and, and trading hours for dollars. Well, the guy was in there working with at the time. He was from Arizona. His name is Brent or something. He was a good guy. Just, I mean, salt of the earth. He goes, I, I told him where I was at. I says from Cupping. He goes, Cupping. He goes, isn't that by um, Glacier National Park? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I've been through Cupping. He goes, actually stayed in Cupping before we went to Glacier. And then he had like a little, uh, to- he had a Toyota truck, him and his wife, girlfriend at the time. And they were going through just, if you just go um, west of Cupping, you go through Browning, okay, to get to the Glacier. He said about 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and uh, just cruising, beautiful day. You know, you can see those mountains. You kind of head, you know, you, you can see the park and you're getting excited. All of a sudden, to his dismay, the whole car just shudders. It was like a, it was like one of those uh, four. It was a Toyota truck, it was a smaller one. Just absolutely shudders. He looks in the back and he said, "There's this old Buick," and it just, it just slammed into the back of him, just like you. I don't know how often this happens, right? Obviously, it happens more than just twice. Slams into the back of his truck, and then he said, "The, the car made a move out to his right, and it sounded like an old Hoover vacuum cleaner." He said, "Just, just sucking air and making its move around side him." <laughs> And as he goes beside him, he sideswipes him, and then off off it goes. And he looks in there, and he sees this woman. He sees this woman driving, and she doesn't even look one way or the other. She's just looking straight ahead. May have this faraway look in her eye. And uh, so he chase, He starts chasing her. And so they go off of Main Street, down a couple side streets, and then uh, she buries this thing into a, into a fence, into a guy's yard, and into his house. And so he pulls up on there and he's, he can't even believe what's going on. 1030 in the morning, he gets hit by this big old Buick. As he said, sounds like a vacuum Hoover vacuum cleaner when she put that thing on the floor, eventually catches her. And then the, the, uh, the police show up, you know, the tribal police show up 
And the guy looks at it and that and there's more than just them. There's there's several people around there looking, see, you know, they see they see this Buick's got smoke coming out from underneath. He's got a picket fence buried underneath the bottom of it. <laughs> and uh, come up through there are a couple of wild dogs around there trying to pick up scraps that might fall out of there like that Bud Light can. But anyway, the uh the sheriff rolls up or whoever he is and he says, uh he goes, What happened here? He's she hit she I'm going down Main Street, she plows into the back of my truck, it takes off. So I follow her. We're in and out a couple streets here. And he and he's he made a mention. He goes, It's 10:30 in the morning. I can't imagine what's going on here. Well, and the and the sheriff says, Yeah, that's old Parlene Prickly Pear. You better just get on it. You better just keep on going. We'll take care of things. He goes, What about, what about my truck? He goes, Yeah. Oh, Parlene, she does that type of thing. You better just go ahead and get on out of here. And so it took him for more a while to, to wrap his mind around the concept that uh, just go ahead and get on out of here. So it didn't, you know, probably a little bit like your Jeep didn't bang it up too bad, but he just couldn't wrap his mind around the way that the business went down, you know, over there. Well, you know, in Brown, and we were talking about Draggy Maine and butt crank there, you know, pretty much after high school, except for the exception of, some creepy dudes that were 26 trying to hit on high school girls. You know, you kind of quit dragging Maine, you know, when you're at 18, but you know, I'm Browning, you just kept dragging Maine. I mean, I've, I've seen 75 year old ladies dragging Maine there in Browning. <laughs> you know, and if you want to catch a fun 4th of July festival, go to Browning and watch the fireworks. Now, a lot of these folks don't have a lot of money, but they'll put down 10 grand on fireworks. <laughs> and you get up on the hill just out of west of Brown and watch the fireworks. And it's like, oh, my God. It's it's like this they is do incredible. it right. They do it right because they don't mess I around. Actually, no, I had a fireworks stand here. And the one thing that really held people back from putting on a good show was um, accountability. You know, they really thought they were, they were afraid of being accountable for wherever that rocket left. And so oh, I think in, didn't care about that. There's none oh, of that. Going. Let the let the rockets red glare. You know, uh -huh. I mean, just let her let her fly. So I can appreciate that the fact that you know they just it's, it was having a good time. I didn't go up there a lot um, during yeah, the festivals. I just I just I don't know. It's always found something else to do. Now you you mentioned earlier about a gentleman part of the law enforcement there in Cup Bank, Burl Hoover. Uh -huh. You guys also had another run in or so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, one of the characters you mentioned earlier, and I believe he was in your first podcast, Robbie and I had a little run in literally with uh, Hoover. You know, you guys might want to call this that. We've been talking about Hoover quite a bit. This might be the Hoover episode, boys. Maybe <laughs> there somewhere with Hoover. That's easy to make a fun name. All right. Now, I want you to, I really want you to, this story is so good. I want you to start from the beginning, set it up, what time of year. I, I mean, we want details on this one. Well, this one's probably in February or in one of the glorious middle of winter there in butt crank. And, you know, if in butt crank, if you get three inches of snow, the wind's going to be blowing 40, 50 miles an hour. And you got oh, yeah. trips. And so I'm, I, it's, it's a cold day. I'm, I'm, we just get out of school and I'm walking down the street and I, I don't, I don't know why I didn't have a ride. Well, probably because I didn't have a driver's license again. <laughs> I don't think lose clues for that one. That probably explains that. But I'm, I'm walking down the street there, and Robbie pulls up, and he's like, hey, you want a ride? And I'm like, sure, heading up to my grandma's, you know, can you give me a ride? And so we start barreling. Where are you on Main Street? Where are you at? No, we were just on that, uh, the next street down uh, south there from uh, from the Main Street there. Bruce Street? Cool. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So what does Robbie do? He ducks into an alley, and we go barreling through this alley doing about 40 miles an hour. Now, I'll tell you this from Robbie. 
Robbie mm-hmm. likes to bust drifts. Okay, there's He's been a, a time buster. he got caught out in the middle out, out of town busting drifts and got got himself a little bit let's call it, stuck. And so uh, he's, I can see him going, taking the non-traditional route just to bust a few drifts. Well, we didn't bust a few. We pretty much hit every bloody alley on the way up to. What, what to, machine was he in? What, was, what machine was he in? Oh, he was in a GMC two-wheel drive pickup. The coo- um, <laughs> I want to say it was like uh, silver and, and kind of uh, burgundy, but I might be wrong on that. But um, so yeah, just we're the two busting, of you? just the two of us girls, and we're busting drifts. So we're we're in the the last alley before you get to my grandma's right there by uh, Mr. Green, Corey Green. There's another dude you guys got to have on here. Oh my lord, he has some stories. Coming out by the Green's house, there heading for Altenburg's there, and we come out of that alley. And it felt like we were doing forty. Hell, we'll probably do it about ten. But he always had a good stereo system in there, right? He always had a pretty good stereo system in his machines, if I remember correctly. And he's well, playing like. Uh, you know, some eighties hairband. I'm right. just saying that. No. Right. I don't remember. I don't remember that. I don't remember any hairbands. I do remember some crying here in a few minutes in the story though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I remember a, a young Robbie weeping like a little girl there, uh, sobbing in the driver's seat. What happened? What, what well, we bust that? out of this alley and there's goddamn, uh, Hoover park. <laughs> it's right there. And we hit, the front end of, of Hoover's car and it slams the side of both of these vehicles together. So it just totally crushes the sides of both of these vehicles. And we hit so hard, we bounced off the cop car and it sent us into Corey Green's uh, front yard there. With the truck. <laughs> Did you not see Hoover or was it just too late? <laughs> I, I think it was just one of those deals, you know, maybe there's some fences or something in the alley and we just didn't see him. It was too late. Now it pops Hoover, you know, and, and uh you know was we this before or after the was, was this before, was, full throttle was this before or after uh the but the, the Coors light rolled off his twinkle toes well i i'm guessing this is afterward because i was hoofing it up to grandma's which would not have been regular in february at minus 35 below with the windshield of 600 below so, <laughs> so you plowed it you plowed it oh hooves huh that's good we, stuff we plowed it man hard and so robbie crouches down in the seat we're sitting there in Corey green's uh front yard and Robbie crouches down in the front seat. He's just, oh, my God, he's beside himself. And Burl comes up, and Burl's pissed. He unlays a torrent of F-bombs, just screaming. I mean, he, had, he, let her, he let Robbie have it for about two minutes there. And the more he yells, the more Robbie starts crying. And he's just hunkered down in the seat, just a balling and sniveling. <laughs> <laughs> Was he... Was he trying to get out of it, or he? I I did touch on this with him a little bit. Asked him about it. He said it very, very traumatic. The whole thing was going from like uh, from so busting he the drifts. It. He remembers it. He said busting the drifts, and then next thing you know, he plows into Burl's car. And mm-hmm. and I said, how emotional did you get? He said, I don't know, but it was very, very. It was a traumatic deal. He remembers well, it. I mean, it's traumatic it. anytime you hit, run into a police car. It's gonna be traumatic for anybody <laughs> at any time. You spun, <laughs> you spun so. him around, huh? Oh yeah, we spun her around there. So poor Robbie, I, I, you know, he's over there crying and sniveling. Ivory, you know, owns the Dodge dealership. He'll fix a car. You know, he's trying to get his way out of it. And oh my goodness, you know. Uh, the invest- not much investigation to go figure out the bottom of that one though, huh? No, they didn't have to call in Blues Clues on that one. So poor Robbie, <laughs> that was a tough one. Was it, were you guys greased up or it was pretty sober? No, this is right after high school. This is one of the few sober stories I actually have. <laughs> those those uh 
those damn uh, those damn MIPs. I like the fact they didn't they didn't follow you around. But I remember moving. Uh, I remember moving around in Missoula, and I was down there with a, a cup bank gentleman named John Larson, uh, David's kid, Dave Larson's kid, and um, he was living in Missoula. And this was the first time, like MIPs, I didn't really, the thing that I didn't like about getting an MIP was I just didn't like getting caught. And I figured that was a way of, of saying that you got caught. But my first introduction to that was me and John, John Larson down there in Missoula with a totally different crew of uh, law enforcement down there. So, you know, if they rolled up on us, we didn't know who they were. So we went and hid in the uh, softball parking lot. There's like four fields there. And I go, John, there's no, no one ever comes through here. Right. That was slick. And we got the drink of choice. It was not nothing to do with barley. It was uh, Bartles and James. You know, the finest wine coolers man could have. A lot of sugar. <laughs> a lot of sugar. A lot of sugar in there. So we were drinking them babies down. And um, Bill, I didn't tell this story yet, did I? About going into. I don't know if I did or not. I don't think so. I don't think so. So anyway, we get in there, and the cops show. They they go into the parking lot, and they're going to do a loop. You know, kind of shine their headlights through the through the uh, softball fields. Well, he starts to the to the left, and we're to the softball field far to the right, sitting in the sitting in the bleachers there. Well, we, because he made the sweep to the left, we figured we had a little time to get on the move, and uh, we were in my car, so I figured, well, I can, you know, as long as we don't get caught, we can always try to figure a way to talk a way out of you know, out of our car being down there. John John Larson's about six seven, and he doesn't hide very well. <laughs> Number one, you don't. You don't pick good spots and you don't hide very well. So his his uh, hiding spot of choice was a dugout. <laughs> <laughs> and I my hiding spot of choice was a big old pile of concrete that they they broke something up and it, I found a little place where I could rabbit hole down in there. I couldn't get all the way in, but I thought, well, they get John out of here, maybe they'll get out of it. Well, they didn't. I they got John. I could hear him squealing out of it. I see the flashlights kind of combing over me. I knew I got it. So we got out. We got um, we got citations, okay. We got some paperwork at the end of the night, and I had to go to court. Well, I was over 18 at the time, so I didn't have to have my parents or anything in there. And I thought I got to get out of this thing. So I had about a week to think up of a story, and I had a doozy. Um, didn't know if it was going to get me out of it, but I think it was my best shot. So I go into court, right there, in Missoula County Courthouse, and uh, the uh, the judge was a guy by the name of. Uh, Oh, Christ, I can't remember for the life of me. He was an Irishman. And um, I I figured he was an Irishman because on his desk he had – I think it was Malloy was his name. Anyway, he had the American flag in the middle, a Montana flag kind of sticking on one side, and then the Irish flag on the other. So I figured he probably was Irish. I don't know. So I get up there. He looks at my name. I had my story. I had all the the key key parts I want to make sure I I touched on. And he said, um, said, Burns. He goes – where are you from? I said, well, I grew up in Cutbank. And before I even got a chance to finish, you know, the rest of my, my portfolio, he says, are you Mike or Bill's boy? I said, I'm, I'm Bill's kid. He goes, you Irish Catholic son of a bitch. And then the, the courthouse is full, right? And he's having, the, and I could tell he was on his way out. I mean, just by the way, look at it. He, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't really too specific on, on, on keeping things legal. So, I go, well, I'm Bill's boy. He goes, you Irish Catholic son of a bitch. He goes, what'd you do here? So he looked down. He goes, you out there drinking, huh? I said, well, you know, and I want I want to get into my story. He goes, ah, don't worry about it. Listen, here's what we're going to do. 
He says, you keep your nose clean for six months, called deferred sentence. You keep your nose clean for six months, and we'll wipe this baby clean. I said, and I look around, and people's eyes are just, you know, they're thinking, this is how it works? And I wanted to get out of there as quick as I could before he changed his mind. So I'm just about out the door. And he goes, hold on a second. I'm like, oh, Christ, here we go. He goes, uh, you got a story for me on this? I said, what's that? He goes, I know you had some cockamamie story. Yeah, I'll brew it up. I said, well, I mean, yeah, I was going to explain it. He goes, come on back here. Let's say have a listen. Well, <laughs> he was just sheer entertainment value for him. So I, I rolled out my story, and I don't even know what it was. And he kind of looked to his side. He said, ah, not too bad. Get out of here. Don't let me see you for six months. And out the door I went. So that was my first MIP, first and only MIP. I said I had, I, you know, it was a badge of honor, but I really didn't like getting caught. I wasn't anything like uh, Mr. Hammersham here, got five notches in his belt, but, you know. Well, I was, you know, I got a Missoula story to piggyback on that, and I'll even throw in a, a six-foot-seven uh, fella or two to, to make it even a little closer to yours. So I, I we're down there for uh Bobcat Grizz game, and uh, Grant, it, it was uh, – Biff and Hound, and these boys are both <laughs> Biff six four and Hound is six seven. They're big boys. They're, they so grew we, up on a farm, drink, if I remember right. Oh yeah, yeah. We drink all the way from uh, Butt Crank all the way down to Missoula, so we're pretty lit up. And we get down there and we're partying and and, and carrying on. And and so it's the end of the night, two three o'clock in the morning, and and we blow through Malfunction Junction without stopping, checking any lights or anything. For you guys that don't know, Malfunction Junction's a street in Missoula where, like, what is it, five or six different Five intersections there. I mean, yeah. what's interesting about that, I'll tell you a little bit about Malfunction Junction. When they were laying out the, the design of Missoula, they uh, laid out the one street so that the so that the uh, the window shops or the stores faced the sun, so they faced they faced east, so that when the sun rose, they'd shine into the uh, – into the window shops, you know, and there wasn't much there. And then when they started laying the other grids, those, that, that line of houses did just not match up with everything else. So everything came to a point there in a, in a malfunction type of way. And so that hence malfunction junction with about five or six different lights there. Well, there we have a history lesson, kids. We there you go. <laughs> I like it. Hey, Brian, do you, you got us, you got a good sponsor. Let's, for let's, let, Tommy's got to finish his story here. Well, hold on here, boys. We are yeah. totally good. So <laughs> I blow through, blow through old malfunction junction. I don't bother checking any lights or whatnot. We blow through there. And of course the cop nails us. He's on us right away. What time Blows of day are we over. at? What's that? What time of day is this? Oh, it's, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's we, we were fully <laughs> loaded boys. <laughs> there was no there was no talking our way out of it man we we blew up a six uh a suitcase of budweiser somewhere along the trail there were beers rolling all over in the bottom of my jeep hound just passed out and sprawled all over in the back seat biff was in the front passed out <laughs> biff and hound yeah, oh yeah those two characters i think three of my five uh mips i got with biff but anyways uh so the cop rolls up and man he has us dead to rights i mean there just is nothing we're gonna do you know I probably would have set a world record if I had to do a, a breathalyzer there. And uh, I just said, hey, you know, we, we got one block to go, and then uh, we're going to be at these guys' sister's place, and then we're going to be done for the night. I, I said, is there any way we could uh, just go ahead and drive home? And and uh, the cop said, yeah. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'll follow you. He's like, I'll follow you one block. You go two blocks, you're going to jail. 
And thank God he let us go. I, I mean, that was just a different time. I mean, nowadays, oh, my Lord. They I mean, frown on it. DUI on they site. frown on that stuff now. They do frown on it. Somebody <laughs> really screwed up somewhere along the line and blew it for everybody. <laughs> That's all it takes is for one bad apple to blow it for everyone. Now we now we can't go out there and get MIPs like we used to and so forth. And so forth. Uh, Allegedly. <laughs> evidently. Yeah, I do have a sponsor for us. Um and this one, this is timely. These, the, this uh, outfit here has been holding off because this, at this weekend, they're, they're a group out of Cup Bank. Everyone knows them. Um, they have their annual um, sale, and you got to buy a ticket to get into this thing. This is not. This is this is no light light uh, event here. You buy that ticket. Oh Lord, 50, I hope you boys aren't selling the tickets. No, well, no, no. You have to go. You have to go online. <laughs> is this that official, one of those deals? they're not selling either one and that's a you know what that's a great point though we are not selling these so you can feel yeah. confident when you go online you can buy your ticket to this event this weekend 50 percent of all people there will get a free gift and it is in cup bank there just off main street it's pound town hammers and so Pound Town Hammers has everything from sledgehammers to, to the, the low-laying hammer. They call it the ground and pound. So we want you guys to get your one-way ticket to Pound Town. Uh, that's what they're calling it, the one-way ticket to Pound Town. And uh, Pound Town Hammers down there in Cup Bank, and it's one of the biggest events of the year. And they sell everything from sledgehammers to uh, rifle hammers to the ground and pound. So they say get – Hammer time every time at Ground Town, Pound Town Hammers. Get your one-way ticket to Pound Town. And Mr. Hammerstein, very familiar with pounding it. And we got oh. Mr. Hammerstein here talking about getting hammered five different times and getting caught. Yes, yes. Well, actually, if you look at the stats, I was about five and three thousand. So really, I had a pretty good uh, not get caught rate. If you look at it that way. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and not everything. Not everything was alcohol based. Um, it was just 95%. I mean, there was times where we were in school. Well, no, that was too. Yeah, I'd say most of it had a lot to do. A lot of shenanigans was uh, was based in alcohol. <laughs> was based in alcohol like at Thanksgiving Day. So anyway, that's uh, that's our sponsor today, um, Pound Town Hammers, right there in Cup Bank, the big event this week. Make sure to go online, uh, poundtownhammers.com. Get your one-way ticket to Pound Town. <laughs> oh, I don't know why you wouldn't want to go. You know, butt crank this time of year is beautiful. It, it gets it you is. right in the peak of the wind there. If you really want to see a 90-mile-an-hour wind, this is the time of year to do it. Well, this is why they have the event um, at this time of year, because one of the contests that they have is everyone takes a hammer, and they'll throw it straight into the air, and the wind will carry it. And however far that hammer gets carried from the wind that cup bank uh, will win a free hammer. You better start <laughs> ducking, Toby. That's where it's headed. Yep, they call it the old ground and pound. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, well, we any, we go ahead. we got to transition into the um this this story about this is a very famous story about old pist pistol Pete Palmas they call him. Mm. And uh, uh, you may not know this one, uh, Mr. Hammersham, but I got to set it up a little bit. So I have this um I'm I'm gonna be very vulnerable now, and I'm gonna tell Ooh. everybody. Oh, I'm going to tell everybody about my, uh, I got a little phobia started when I was in eighth grade. I went to the Carroll college basketball camp and <clears throat> this starling was up on a pole, this black starling bird. And it was raising all kinds of hell. And I was on the other side of the street and I mind my P's and Q's 
and it swoops down at me and it caught me off guard. I'm like, what the heck? And it came down at me again and I could feel the feathers kind of tickle my neck. So then I took off my shirt and I'm like, come on down. You want some of this? Come on down again. He, can't, he came on down again. I think he might, I think part of his beak might end up in my ear. And, uh, so there, so then about two days later, we're on campus for this basketball camp and these other kids are throwing rocks at this magpie. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Leave it alone. Well, Leave the magpie, alone. the magpie decided to come at me instead of them. So that, out of that was born my phobia of birds. You think the and phobia had, was born there or do you think it was always there? Because, uh, I know that you, you think that birds actually, um, like hunt you down. Well, they, I mean, they, they, well, let me tell you what happened. When I was like 23, I'm in Missoula. I'm parked at a stoplight. You tell me if they understand this. I'm in my vehicle, safe and sound. There's this huge fucking crow sitting on the corner and it's a red light and it hop, Tommy, it hops down right in front of my vehicle, takes a sharp 90, hops right down underneath my door, looks up at me. As if to say, I know that you're pissing yourself right now and you're afraid of me. So then to that, the look he gave me, I rolled up my window because I didn't need any more problems. <laughs> and then I hopped right back to the crosswalk and hopped right back over to the to the curb. So uh, we, we um, I had some problems, some problems. I'm, I'm, I'm working through it. Well, you're at Safe Pads. It turns out this is no BS. I actually have a master's degree in marriage, family, and couples therapy. So if you boys want to turn this into a little therapy session, you're in good hands, sir. How many people did you, how many people did you see during your, while you were doing counseling uh, sessions that had just had this issue? Bird issues? Quite a few, actually. You know, that's what that whole movie, The Birds, was about. You're not the only one. There are many support groups across the United States for folks having problems. What's it called? What's What's the phobia for birds called? Hmm, I don't know. I'd have to look that one up. That's a big word, I'm sure. Flockophobia. Flockophobia. <laughs> Hectrophobia. That's right. So anyway, this is where this story generates um, about Bill's phobia of birds. It's and, actually uh, called arenthophobia. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ostrichophobia. So let's let's go to let's go to Allegedly. when, when uh, our, our old man and I, old Tommy and I, we did a lot. We golfed a lot, and I, this so this is a golf story. So. We, I'm out there golfing with the old man, and he's he's a pretty terrible golfer. He'd see, uh, he he likes to slice it. Brian kind of took after him that way. <laughs> anyway, we're on number six or seven, and there's this kingfisher bird up in the tree, and it's kind of making some noise. And the old man was getting ready to hit the ball, and that <laughs> that kingfisher came down at him. It's a starling, wasn't it? No, no, on this, on this, on this hole, it was a kingfisher and it came shooting straight down at Lloyd and he took that driver and he swung it and he hit that thing in the air and killed it. Do you know what the odds are? And he hit it on the shaft. What are the odds of hitting a bird with the shaft? Yes. True story. (laughs) So then we get, then we get to the last hole and it was like kind of dusk. And on that on number nine, I don't remember there was a pine tree on the right, and there was about I don't know, probably about seven or eight of those black starlings, and we're on the putting green, and we've got our head down, we're concentrating, and they're just dive bombing us. That's where the story takes off. Well, okay, 
I don't I wasn't there for any of this. I was there for the for the recap when they got back to the house and um, they're talking about these birds. And, I, and Bill had this phobia and all this horse shit. Right. So anyway, but they're talking about this. They're talking about, you know, these birds and whatnot. And my dad just makes mention. He goes, oh, I'd like to go over there and shoot those birds. Now, he had no intentions of doing it, but he said it. And I'm like, hmm, okay, mm-hmm. lots of birds over there. <laughs> so at the time, um, and I had just been down to uh, a gentleman that we call uh, Pistol Palmas. That's his alias <laughs> right now. <laughs> he was a legendary man. Can you describe man. him a little bit? Can you describe what his profession and what, what he looked like? Well, um, anyone anyone know, remembers a gentleman, a character in a store called Al Bundy? Uh, he was a shoe man, okay? One of the finest shoe mans in all the land. Well, this gentleman knew shoes, okay? You know, they call him the old left-handed shoe. And uh, <laughs> I had just been down there getting some shoes, and he was talking oh, yeah, the about the merc- mercantile. I was down at the mercantile there, and uh, pistol, pistol was telling me about how great of a shot he was. His grandpa gave him this old over under pistol, and I know what these guns look like. It's like a it's a gun that breaks off like a shotgun. The bottom one's like a 410 shotgun, and on top of it you can put a 22. So you have a you have a pistol, you know, you have a 22 and a 410 shotgun. And he was telling me about this thing. Now I'd heard of these things, but I'd never actually seen one. Anyway. He was telling me about it. I was asking him a lot of questions, but he said, oh, I'm old dead eye on this thing. So <laughs> these guys come back to the house not a couple hours later, and they're telling me about these starlings. Well, I wanted to see this gun of old pistols, right? And pistol was legendary. He was full of stories. I even think he wrote a, wrote a, uh, he wrote a book about a, uh, about a talented basketball player, uh, a fictional story about a basketball player. He went through the whole season on how awesome he was. I think it actually turned out that he wrote it about himself, but I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't. anyway, well, I mean, what kind what kind of athlete, what, what was he built? Like what kind of athlete was he? I don't know where he went to school, um, but he knew sports. I'll tell you what, there's a guy who knew sports. It was this guy here. And he looked kind of, he, um, I don't know. I don't know where he went to school or whatnot, but yeah, I don't know if he was, yeah, oh, you know what? Large. I'll tell you, I'll tell you okay. this. I'll tell you this. When we were in when the the principal of our school, we had the little basketball league with like fifth and sixth graders. He brought Pistol in one day, um, and and Pistol came in. You should have seen what he was wearing. And Robinson can attest to this. He, he goes, "I have a special guest today. He talked to us about uh, basketball." And old Pistol comes in. Pistol almost comes in. Pistol Paul almost <laughs> comes in. <laughs> and he's got head, he's got a headband on. And he's got the pads on, and I'm like, oh no! And everyone knew. They're like, oh, what is he? Special he had, guest. So wait, he had knee pa- did he have knee pads? Knee he pads, had elbow, pads? elbow pads. He had tight shorts on. He had the finest shoes. Okay, shoes are good. Squeaky oh, clean. They had to be Chucks. Oh yeah, they probably were the Chucks. Oh, I think they were the top tens. Those those Adidas ones. Adidas first top tens. Yeah. Um. So he's gonna show his defense, and so we all can't wait. And he. His technique wasn't, you know, we, the technique that we got in, during that junior high was not good. I found out later a lot of the techniques, I think they kind of shot from the hip on this stuff. Well, the thing that, <laughs> the thing that he kept, the, the phrase he kept saying was heels on the hardwood. You want to make your, slam your heels on the hardwood. And I'm like, so he says, every time you make a move, make sure your heels hit the ground as hard as they can. And on a defensive slide, heels, heels, heels. And so he was teaching us this defense, and I'm like, man, my heels. I mean, I think I bruised my heels because you don't want us to pound our heels down. And then the other thing I remember about about Pistol in his basketball, uh, 
he told we were diving after these loose balls. He goes, you got to get on the floor. You got to dive after. You got to be tough. You got to be cup ain't tough. You got to be Willie to Groot tough. And so he throw that ball out there and he called, he had a name for it. He said, when you dive for a ball and you get your hands on that ball, you got to give it at least two or three alligator rolls. And so what he wants you to do is grab the ball and then spin like an alligator. If you ever seen an alligator spin when they get locked up, <laughs> he said, alligator roll. He goes, just know where your opponent, if your opponent's on your left, you go two turn left and alligator roll. So we had to go out there and go after a ball and grab it and do two alligator rolls over top of our, our teammates and all of our friends. And I tell you what, we were beat to shit at the end of that practice from the heel pounds and the alligator rolls. But anyway, so here's old Pistol. Now he's a he's a dead eye shot apparently, and it, apparently. my dad, my, my dad, my brother, um, and he, and Pistol lived right down the street from us. I remember he came home with his baby, uh, the brand new baby. Me and Billy are walking, <laughs> me and Bill are walking home. We saw him, and he waved at us. And this is a true story too. He waved at us and dropped the kid on the on the ground. <laughs> Did he not? <laughs> Did he not? <laughs> he was he was he was six hours old and first thing he did when he got home was dropped his ass right on his melon. <laughs> we said pistol. He had to kind of startle him. He put his hand up in the air and down went the kid, down went Frazier. Frazier you know, I might run into him because he lives down in Zootown. I saw him about four years ago at the Stockmans. And and the funny thing is, he looks exactly the same, which is good if you're Brad Pitt. But this guy'd be on the other side of the spectrum from Brad Pitt. But he's I'd like you to might run into him down there in Zootown. I'd like to visit with him because he always had he was such a great brain for sports. He just knew all the statistics. And you could really, when you sat down and get a pair of shoes, you could really work. And I loved it. I just absolutely loved going down and visit with him. Anyway, he um he talked about like this um he was a dead eye shot. And so <laughs> <laughs> with this with this rifle so i said hey listen um i got the information i thought well i'm gonna go over and we're gonna shoot some birds but i want to see this pistol this rifle he had this over under so i walk up there and i said hey listen um we were gonna go over can i borrow would you mind if i borrowed your rifle we're gonna go shoot some birds on the other side um over there on the you know at the golf course he said birds i said yeah he goes, well, I can take a plunk, couple plunks at him. I said, well, would you like to go with us? And he said, yeah, I'll go with you. Adventure. Right. Was it, it was an adventure. Adventure. So we got him in to uh, going across that river and um, scaling up that. Because if you – our house is the last one on Mount View Boulevard. You could see the golf course. There was nothing between us and the golf course. I spent hours in that coulee, and right across the way was a pump house. And then the pump house had the road that went up to the golf course. I'd never been on the other side of the, uh, you know, the, of Cup Ink Creek and went up there, but I wanted to, and I figured perfect plan. Well, now he's in case he wants to go out there and, and, and do, show us some shooting. So I said, all right. I said, let's go. So I didn't want my dad getting wind of this because I knew that, um, I don't know. I just didn't want a lot of questions, you know? So pistol meets us down there. He's good. geared up. We got that gun and he's got like uh, he's got a hat and he's, and he's got some ammo and we get down to the bottom there. And we're just getting ready to head across Cupping Creek. Cupping Creek in the summer was, it couldn't have been more than a foot and a half high. I mean, you, if you got the top of your socks wet, you were, it was pretty, it was flowing pretty good. Just as I, before I get into the creek there, he says, hold on. He goes, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to cross, we're going to ford this river. I said, what? He held his gun. He goes, I can't get this gun right. Cause I guess apparently the gun was like passed down. So it wasn't just like something he bought. 
He held that thing above his head. Have you ever seen those little plastic army figures that, like, mm-hmm. in Toy Story, where they have the gun, like a, the M16 above the head, like this? He mm-hmm. crossed, he forded the river like that. And I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. So we hustled up to the top of that thing, and um, he wanted to. Um, I saw him throw a 410 shell in there, and we got there just at dusk when all the when all the um, golfers were gone. We kind of timed it so that there Wait, he put a four he put a 410 shell in there. I don't it's just a that. shotgun. It was shotgun on the bottom, and there's a 22 on top. Well, we're going to shoot him with 22s, obviously. And I saw him throw that 410 in there. I go, you're not going to shoot him with that. That shock, because I didn't want this. I didn't want the noise. You know, I wanted to keep the noise down. And he goes, "Yeah, it, go, it just echo, and it, it echoes off those off the can the Cooley Canyon." Yeah, I mean, it would it just wouldn't have been a bad, we wouldn't have spent all spend much time there. Well, on our way up there, he loads this thing up, and we see the greenskeeper. Who? What was the name of that guy? That, the, okay, uh, so let me tell you about the greenskeeper. His name was Mike Ward, and he was he was literally from Ireland. Okay, it was perfect. It was just like Caddyshack. I mean, the guy was he was about four foot ten. And he had a thickest Irish accent and he lived, I mean, that he lived for being running that, running that, that course and keeping a good shape. And in fact, he died when he was working out there once, but once I mean, we he died once, we <laughs> but how does that <laughs> work? He died once when he was a out bullshit there working. Story, and I didn't want to hear it again about that. <laughs> he had, he had me all the way up until they buried him in his golf cart. I'm like, that's horseshit. <laughs> Anyway, the, this guy was up there. This guy was up there doing, doing some finish work on something. And uh, finish work. <laughs> and, and Pistol wanted to go talk to him. Huh? Finish it off a Curry's Light, probably. He was doing some stuff on the backside of the green. Uh-huh. He was doing some. Anyway, I didn't care what he was doing. I just didn't want him to see us. But Pistol said, let's go visit with him. Is he the one? Is he the one that wants to shoot this? I go, ah, we better just leave him be. I don't, you know, we wanted to go up that, the fairway to the right, which I don't know what number that is, but it's the one that you actually hit down. It's a par three. That's where we're going to go. Yeah. Was it number number three? No, it was. Oh, anyway, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do a lot of golfing. We head up there and he goes, let me show you how this here is done. And, and that, that pine tree was just, you couldn't, you couldn't miss if you get in there. Well, he pulls that goddamn 410 shell in there. I go, please, please don't shoot that. I go, that's not, we're going to get busted. I go, let's just pop him with some 22s. He shot probably 10 rounds of that 22, and he didn't even hit the air. I mean, <laughs> he, he couldn't throw a bucket into the ocean or whatever that saying is. So um, I grab it. We pop a couple, you know, we, we, we shoot a couple of these starlings, and then we're heading down. I said, hold on a second. I go, I think you should. It's going to be the last time. I say you crank that 410 in there. So he loads that thing up. He he, he peppers that 410. Now, 410 is not the biggest shotgun, you know, round of all, but it left a sure hell enough noise. It echoed all over that thing. It shook. When he shot that thing, all those starlings just immediately just gone. It just looked like the bird, you know, you're talking about the birds and the, the sun just disappeared and they took off. And I started running down that hill as fast as I could. I don't, and I, all I could hear is him behind us. Where are you going? Why are you running? And then I didn't look back and see what happened, but I could hear clip, clip. I could hear his feet hit the ground and he barrel rolled. I could hear the shoulders digging into the ground. I could hear boulders and rocks flying and he was going ass over tea kettle. And we boogied all the way down to the bottom. We got to the bottom of Cup Bank Creek and he was nowhere to be found. Like he didn't come, he didn't come down. Well, 
we went back to the house. We basically left him for dead. We left it. You say no soldiers get left behind. Pistol got left behind in this one here. And so <laughs> we get up there and he, he shows up at our house like an hour or two later and asked, you know, what happened? Well, he, he caught up with the old greenskeeper and they were out there shooting the shit for hours. And he told him that, you know, that I said, did you tell him that, you know, we were with, he goes, no, I figured he's just better left unsaid. So he never, he never ratted us out. I don't think he was around to the fact that we weren't supposed to be up there, but obviously him and the the lonely Irish greenskeeper, like they said in Caddyshack, you want me to shoot some golfers? (laughs) Golfers or golfers? (laughs) But he sat there and visited and he was a great sport about it. And uh, I tell you what, very fleet of foot, probably the best, Best knowledge of not only the footwear, but defense, the heel, the heel on the hardwood, and the alligator roll. I mean, the guy had his own way of doing things. And the fact that he might be in Missoula, I may have to go sniff him out. And it's well, you got to sniff him out. And he, he also he spent a lot of time in the back of that room in that mercantile. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't explore what he was doing back there. Only left-footed shoes back there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Only left foot in shoes. <laughs> oh, that's good, clean living. That's good stuff. Well, anyway, that was that was the, uh, you know, the, the golf. I I didn't spend as much time on the golf course as uh, as you guys did. Um, I know Bill. Bill spent quite a bit of time on there. Got good deals on golf clubs from time to time. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent <laughs> off, as it were. <laughs> oh. Uh, fuck. Guys, oh, you oh, what? Some things are sacred. We can't talk about some things. A discount he got on that. Girl, on this one. The only discount I got was a long two-hour drive back from Kalispell, Montana. Cutbank, <laughs> Montana. They do have those. Was it Kalispell? By the time I got back to Cutbank, the I, you talk about dragging Main Street. I hit Main Street, and I think. Uh, I think Eleanor was driving, and there was three people stopped us before we got to the end of the road. Hey, Bill, how'd that golf club get in there? I don't know. Is there one I saw? It was like that one I got it. Oh, they Jumped get, right that, by that, 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 Back on the steel. <laughs> uh, what's the course in Whitefish? I can't remember it. I don't know, but I, I mean, you got the discount of a century. Tom, were you there when, when Bill um, when Bill was in there uh, shopping? Oh, I was. I, I was there. I was on the committee to decide whether we should tattle on him or not. And, and I'm pretty sure my vote was a no vote on that one. But we were some people oh. there, uh, you know, on the golf team, and they, they were all scared they were going to get caught. So the the uh, vote was to go ahead and turn him in, and, and uh, I, it was sad. I You know, and you got away with that clean. If you wouldn't have said anything, I don't think you would have gotten busted either, bud. I, I don't like that. Tell, I don't like that. I don't like here's, that. A, here's the deal. I, when I was a freshman, I was fortunate enough to make the varsity golf team, and I learned a lot of tricks from those boys, those seniors and juniors. And one of them was, you got an old club in your bag, you might need to get a new one. You want okay? up here? Mm-hmm. I don't like that. So I, no. so that's, that's so dirty. weird. And it was dirty. I'm not proud of it. It's, I told my kids about it, and they're like, "What? Are you, what? Are, were you stupid?" I'm like, "Well, maybe." Anyway, so um, that the thing about it was, is that we were really lucky to play, um the whitefish Kalispell courses, it was right before state. So that terrible decision caused me not to get to finish those rounds over there, which are the most beautiful courses in the state. But then guess what? Then I didn't get to golf in the state tournament a couple weeks later. So I 
That was a nice little lesson I learned. You learned your lesson? Whoa. Jeez. RJ? I mean, well, I think the lesson nice... you learned was go ahead and steal clubs. Just don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> you were, you know, is I, that how you got I, your now, break? Now, yeah. now that I think about it, now that I think about it, RJ had to deal with Brian whipping his club 50 yards when he was a freshman, and then he had to deal with me. He probably had enough of the of the Burns boys by the time he got done with it. Yeah, why? Well, oh, speaking of RJ, that I was one from. of my favorite things, I think one of the uh, police movies are with uh, Nielsen. I, I used to just love love to say stuff around RJ like "son of a motherless goat," you know, and I'd get him all spooled up doing that kind of stuff. I used to have a lot of fun picking on old RJ, getting him spooled up. Mm. He was genuine, wasn't he? He was a good dude. He, he is was a good yeah. guy. Yeah. And then right. he had to deal with that. He had to deal with all that shit. Mm-hmm. I tell you. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I was, I was, you know, I'm Catholic, so I went and I've repented about all this stuff. So I don't feel good about it, but I just need to share uh, what, the, what the Catholic priest says. Um, all the stuff you've told me, you need to share it. And so that's the, that's really the foundation of this podcast is, is it well, me. I, I pre- is hey, you know my- what? I, you, I haven't had my chops busted too much on our podcast. So, you know, I'll take, I'll take a few hits. I know Brian's gotten bloodied up pretty good. It's Can't all run part for of office. the process, boys. Mm-hmm. Huh? It's all part of the healing process. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is like a big therapy session. I just can't <laughs> run for our political office. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did think about this. If I ran for political office, okay, because you got all this stuff going on right now. Um, if I was if I was in the office and I was getting interviewed by the, you know, going getting grilled by the press, I would have a whole group of people on my staff that all they would do was do background checks and get dirt on the um, on the <laughs> reporters. And my rule was you ask me a question, I ask you a question. And I guarantee you, things would straighten out awful quick. Those questions would get lightened up a little bit. You ask me a question, I got a question for you. And if you're ready for it, then let's go. And I think yeah, those, yeah. those press conferences. With Stormy Daniels, I think I'd be telling everybody about it. I wouldn't be hiding behind that one. <laughs> What'd you say? You picked up Stormy in that airplane? Yeah, if I picked up old Stormy boy, I'd be telling everybody. I wouldn't be hiding that one. Oh, that's funny shit. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, fellas, that was good. And uh, I just want to remind her, don't forget to go online and pick up your one-way ticket to Poundtown this weekend in Cup Bank, the Poundtown Hammers. <laughs> All right. See Absolutely. you later, boys. Hey, right. thanks. And then we always wrap it up. Don't forget, every shenanigan must transcend. Oh.